Welcome to Salty Investors, episode 19. It is Friday, February 10th. How are you today, Tim? Yeah, fairly well. Yourself? Yeah, you know, can't complain. <laughs> a little bit cooler, you yeah. know? That humidity's gone away a little bit. That's It's uh, put me in a better mood. <laughs> Feeling it? Yeah, yeah, not sweating it out so much. It's still February, might get a bit more later this month, but yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I doubt we're done with it. Yeah. All right, so let's get straight to the salt. What do you got for us this week, Tim? Oh, just uh, you might see Microsoft brought out an AI addition to their search engine Bing. Um, everyone's sort of losing their mind mm-hmm. over it and thinking they're going to lose their jobs and it's going to revelize, yep. you know, Bing's going to be now taking over the search yep. yeah, from like three and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Google owns about 90% of the shirt search market and they're mm-hmm. panicking now and they're having emergency meetings. So I just can't, the market's just, <laughs> Google's got under a hundred bucks and Microsoft's parroting away. So mm-hmm. I just think, you know, the market's getting a bit, a bit ahead of itself here. What do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I agree. It's usually, you know, this will be overdone, like everything, every fad trend, something will come out of it at the end. But, um, you know, do we really think Microsoft's going to take 50% of Google's share in the next two years or something? Unlikely. Um, I think it's all a bit overblown. Uh, I saw, you know, looking on Twitter, I saw a few sort of tech people talking about chat GPT and they, they think it's pretty ordinary. I think it's nothing... Special, I think it's fantastic, uh, and that you could replicate it pretty easily um, without much work. Uh, you know, these are people that presumably know what they're talking about. I don't, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it just, it just seems to be one of those things. Um, you know, I, I think this is we are in a period of of the market where we are grasping around for what the next new thing is going to be to lead us <laughs> on the next bull run. You know, it feels like that yeah, to me, you know, yeah. um, just like the last, what, six to eight months has been a series of false starts. Can't really get beyond S and P 4,200. It seems. Um, mm. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Just beware of the fads. I would say. Yeah. yeah. What are you salty about this week? Um, oh, the, now as regular viewers of this show, all five of, you know, we are not fans of Phil Lowe, Phil Lowe, uh, the RBA raised interest rates on Tuesday, as was sort of expected and signaled and Senator Nick McKim just seems to have woken up from his porn induced coma and decided that, uh, Phil Lowe needs to be, to be sacked. And uh, not only that, that the government should exercise its powers to overrule the RBA and um, uh, reverse the interest rate decision. I, my, the cynic in me says that McKim's just trying to play um, populist politics here because uh, I don't know what you think, but there seems to be a growing cacophony of commentary around. Look at all these people with mortgages that are going to reset and it's all the RBA's fault and Phil Lowe. You and I are not fans of Phil Lowe, but I mean, oh, come yeah. on, this guy's just, this guy's going too far. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, Phil's actually done a fairly good job. At least he stuck to what he said, you know, this time around, and he's going to fix the inflation problem. Or a change, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) you know, the guy's not a dummy. And um, what do these guys propose instead? You know, they think they can do interest rates or get someone else who can. And 
surely they're not going to just print money out of willy-nilly and <laughs> we complain about the RBA, but imagine these well, guys in control. This would be just a fucking burn the house down. Well, sort of thing. yeah, I mean, they're the Greens, and so they've never met, um, you know, any market mechanism that they or you know <laughs> anything really that they couldn't centralise the power for. You know that they they want to take control over, and yeah, they'd set price controls on everything if they had had their way. Um, energy's not enough. I, I just it's. I mean, it's, you know, the, the financial illiteracy shows itself. Yeah. I mean, Mick, mm. Nick McKim probably didn't even know who Phil Lowe was two years ago. <laughs> um, you know, and, and now it's just, it's a popular thing to say. Because, you, know, you, you know, there are people out there who took out mortgages on the advice of Phil Lowe. He didn't exactly say no, we he wouldn't didn't. raise, mm. he, mm-hmm. he didn't say that literally, but he, he sort of indicated that it was unlikely that they would raise rates until 2024. Um, so people, but I mean, look, if, if you took out mortgage and you can't handle interest rate increases, and I know they've been substantial, but still, I mean, you know, maybe you've bitten off more than you can chew. Uh, people have got to take some responsibility at the end of the day yeah. for their own decisions. Well, they're not even normalized. Go to the long-term average of these rates and we're still low. So yeah. I don't know what I mean, people are thinking here. Let's have a look at the, that first chart there. I mean, so this comes from um, uh, Macro Business. Um, they, you know, they've they've got the cash rate up there at three point three five, and the discount variable mortgage rate is around six point seven percent. Six point seven percent for a variable is not high historically. It's on the low side, right? Yep. Um, so. Now you and I, you know, I I think if we go back to last year, I didn't think that <laughs> the RBA would get past two point six, maybe two point eight five. That's where I was sort of. Uh, now they're at three point three five. Now, as you said just earlier, uh, Phil Lode has sort of stuck to his word because remember the wording last year that we we talked about it uh, on a podcast last year that they said they wanted to get the Australians used to the idea of an in, just a gradual increase in rates over time when they went to the 25 basis points. And that's what they're doing. They are doing that. Um, and so that, remember last, I think last week we put up that, is it Goldman's got a 4.1% terminal rate? Um, yeah, that's so. looking more and more likely. So I, I, the um, target rate tracker, um, the odds, so this is what the market thinks. So you remember okay. prior to this rate rise and prior to the last inflation print, there was they were giving a 50-50 chance of the of it going to 3.35. And now there's a 65% chance that they're going to 3.6. So the wow. market has changed its tune a little bit there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> market expects at least one more. Um and yeah, we might be on our way to four. And that's gonna that is gonna cause some serious pain in the mortgage world. Um yeah, that's not looking too good here, is it? You know, like, so what's that, seven? You know, we're going to get to seven probably on a mortgage rate here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, only two more rate rises will get you there. I mean, one's almost going to get you there. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could imagine another um, 75, which is what Goldman's saying, mm-hmm. you know, and you're at seven and a half. Um, it's going to create a lot of pressure. Um, and... I just included this. Um, this is from the Melbourne Institute. Um, so they've got their own sort of inflation tracker, if you like. 
they put they put you can't the only way you can get that they'll they'll print the number in in the media but you have to have a subscription to actually get the details okay um this so this is from mac macro business i think they've got um access so they they said the inflation was 0.9 percent in january wow so that annualized it's about 10 percent uh now the thing is as you can see if you look down those charts at the bottom you can see which is the light blue line mm -hmm. that they do bounce around a lot so you can see even last year they went negative for one yeah. month um so you know take this with a grain of salt they are pretty good over time though if you look at the monthly cpi or the quarterly cpi they're not far off they're just more um and as, as you would expect quarterly's obviously sort of flattened out but yep. i mean they they do track it fairly well um and i think it goes again to another something we've been saying for a while which is that we seem to be behind the us you've got powell now talking about disinflation in the united mm -hmm. states we we still we still got quite a bit of pressure on prices i think same thing as the states services is where the inflation still is um rather yep. than goods um, but we're just not as far along in the process, I don't think. So it looks like my read is more rate rises from here, probably at least at least one, maybe a couple more. We'll see what they do. We should reckon? have done 50. We should have... Phil, come <laughs> on, mate. Yeah. Earlier. But yeah, yeah, I know. He's just trying to softly, softly. But it's worked for him. You know, I think yep. it's the market's liked it. The market hasn't collapsed yet. You know, everyone's still going pretty happy in the Australian market. Um, we've had a great first half of the year so yep he's holding it together like i've got to give it to the brother like he's really <laughs> done a lot better than i would have thought because <laughs> you go back 12 months and you said oh you know 325 that's what we'll be at now and we've got a yep. ford pe you know and in the us at least you know at 18 i'd be like mm. oh you're nuts you know that's insane <laughs> like but you know we're still holding so i don't know soft yeah. landing looking pretty good but yeah depending how many more yeah, they got. They might be just going to raise until something breaks. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought, I think last year around AGM time, I was saying that it will, it'll be interesting to see what the retailers say because they give you an update. So the results come out in August, which I don't think we even had the podcast going at that point, but I think we started in September. And then all the AGMs sort of happen around October. And I was saying, have a look at, don't, you know, you've already got the results are in the bag till June 30 last year, but have a look at what their outlooks were. And all yeah. the retailers were pretty upbeat. They were pretty good. Um, weren't showing any signs of slowing. But uh, if you look, if you look at inflation adjusted retail sales, the last quarter, so the October to December quarter last year was down 0.2. doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, it's very rare that retail sales ever go negative, ever. Um, mm -hmm. It just just doesn't, you know, it just sort of kicks along. That That's that's obviously inflation adjusted. So okay. uh... not in, nomin in nominal terms, uh, you know, retail sales were up, looks healthy, mm -hmm. but, you know, inflation starting to bite. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it's showing up in sort of where you expect it, department stores, fashion sales, that's discretionary stuff. So, you know, <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting. So mm. what the thing I said about pay attention to what retailers are saying in their AGMs is probably more, that was probably a bit early. 
pay attention to what they're going to say next this month because we're going to get half, we're going to get the half year to December thirty mm. first. And again, those results are probably going to be pretty good. It's the outlook you want to look at because usually what they'll do is they'll come out and say, "Here's the results in December thirty first, and here's our first five or six trading weeks of um, calendar oh. year twenty three. Oh, That's so they've already got a bit of a look through, a bit of a look at this yeah. year, and they give you oh, okay. Generally, yeah. If you look at discretionary retails, you look at someone like Nick Scarley or Adairs or someone like that, they'll tell you how they've been trading because that, that's what really matters mm -hmm. uh, looking forward. And what are their estimates? Are they pretty conservative or do they, you know, oh. when they're trying to put their estimates for the next calendar year sort of thing? What are they sort yeah, of? Yeah, I mean, no, they, I mean, I think they're relatively good. good. Okay. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't go ridiculous the problem is though as with any business they don't see turning oh, yeah. points yeah, yeah, yeah. and so if there is a turning point because you know how this works with retail they buy heaps of inventory and all of a sudden if spending falls off they're left with a shitload of inventory and that's right. and then they've got to discount everything and that and that starts to hit margins and because at the end of the day these retail they, their margins are pretty thin hmm. discretionary a lot of them, um, their bottom line margins. So you get lumpy inventory and all of a sudden you're taking an abnormal item and you're cutting your dividend, you know. Um, yeah. That happens pretty quickly. It, it seems to compound, you know, like your your sales are slowing down and then you've got a discount because you've got extra stock. It's just yeah. very So nasty. your margins <laughs> yeah, yeah. your margins get smashed, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and because you're, because a lot of retailers are still bricks and mortar, you know, yep. it's not like you can just close a store tomorrow. It's, it's, you know, fixed it's costs. tough. Yeah. yeah. You got fixed costs, you got rents. Um, yeah. And you will notice that I think, what was it? Two or three weeks ago, I was highlighting the, the run that retailers have had. <laughs> they've given, they've given half that back now Okay. in recent days. And I think this has got something to do with it. The RBA, uh, I don't know about you. I'm going to introduce some anic data, but just on the radio, just in general, there's a lot more. There's more articles being written about, oh, mortgages, mortgage holders are going to get smashed. I uh, just see more and more of it now popping up everywhere. I mean, hey, we've been talking about it here for six months, whatever, how long we've been doing this, four or five I months. I see Koshi is saying, you know, five things you do to save money on your mortgage and all this sort of stuff. So <laughs> yeah. like the, they're prepping them all. So, you know, that yeah. psychology will be starting to you know, people will hold back just from hearing that, you know, I'm sure yeah. people adjusting already. They're not waiting for the, the cliff to happen. They're sort of yeah. preparing a little bit. So, That's which is good. good. I'm not, I'm not against that. I'm just saying, you know, you know, self-fulfilling prof prophecy there a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's psychological, isn't it? I mean, it's, mm. it's yeah. Um, you don't sort of go out and take out massive mortgages when you're not feeling optimistic about the future. Yes. And everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought this was, this was, I mean, we, we've had similar charts to this before. I think you may have had one last week. This is just a different source. I mean, it's the RBA data, but it comes from Morgan Stanley. So you can see pretty much we're in the nadir at the moment of the um, share of fixed rate mortgages that are maturing. Mm -hmm. So starting really, you know, from now it starts to pick up quite significantly. And I, and I think I did this earlier. Um, uh, if you, if you just look basically, you know, well, what, yeah, about, that's about 
that's this year. Okay. What I've just drawn there. Um, that represents about 35 to 40% of all fixed rate mortgages um, mm. maturing just, just in this next 10 months. Uh, if you add it all up, you know, um, so, yeah. so but you reckon, yeah, that's, that's a fair bit. But you, so, you, know, people, you said to ahead. me that the people got a little bit of leeway there. They've overpaid and, you know, got a bit of an offset account. So how yep. much will that affect? Yeah. Yeah. Most people will be all right. I mean, that's the reality. Most people will be all right. I think last week we showed how many mortgages are under stress or something. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact definition. But, you know, most people aren't. And I think last year we had a number of something like um, 10 months. Most The average mortgage is paid up 10 months in advance. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. so that's going to easily get them through, yeah, if they... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the problem really becomes if you lose your job, mm-hmm. I suppose, for most people, yep. uh, that's, that could be really tough. Or, you know, if you've got, you got two incomes paying off a pretty big mortgage and somebody loses their job, that's, that's where it hurts. Um, yeah. So that's, it's just adding to the, mm. to the pressure. Yep. Um, we haven't cracked yet, but it, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk. I know what you think. There's a lot of talk in the U S about a soft landing, not even a soft landing, just to, we'll be fine, but it'll just, it'll just be a sort of a glide path down and off we go again. Australia looks like because of our household debt situation, just looks like more of a, if, if, if there's going to be a blow up, it's more likely to happen here than over there, which is sort of the reverse of yes. 2008, you know? Well, we missed it. So yeah. There was no blowout here, really. There was a little bit, you know, in the high end of the market, but, yeah. you know, the low end was fine. Um, yeah, no, yeah. never heard the term negative equity in your home. That didn't no. That didn't happen here, so. Um, and the banks just didn't invest in all these silly products either. They weren't yes. buying up all these mortgage-backed securities and CDOs and CDO squared and all that sort of crap. Um, they didn't have the exposure to, um, yeah, all that derivative product. <clears throat> which, you know, I, I don't know if it was just that we're more regulated uh, or um, smarter people. I don't know. I don't know. Or behind the times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't keep up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Might be good go, in yeah, a way. By the time, by the time <laughs> they figured out what was going on, it was it was over. Oh, thank God. We missed that one. Uh, Made us look smart. Yeah. Unless you were um, Babcock and Brown or someone like that who – completely shit the bed um <laughs> moving on mm-hmm. uh i just thought this was interesting this came from, comes from jesse felder puts out free newsletter every week well it's it's really the five things that catch his eye okay. um yeah i don't know why i squiggled on the chart i didn't mean to <laughs> but um basically that red line is the aggregate free cash flow of oh, wow. the fang of the fang stocks and mm-hmm. it's down 80 percent from its peak uh of what 18 months ago roughly something like that um but the collective market cap is down 35 percent right wow so what is the market saying maybe maybe the market's saying well they're going to make it up with all these efficiency measures like cutting headcount etc cetera, etc cetera. now that but that's a pretty big gap to make up 
Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting because, again, I, I'm I am biased towards this theme that the things that led the last bull not lead this one, uh, which is not to say that Microsoft's not a good company or anything like that, but just that may, this may not be where the growth comes from. That, that over time, these this, these things that were overvalued just have to gradually come back like they did in from 2000 to 2000 and sort of three, four, yes. you know, it took a long time. I think I said to you the other day, uh, Philip Hofflin on the live wire markets uh, podcast said, you know, Telstra hit eight bucks at the peak and it took like four years to get back just to $4, which was where it probably should have been, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think about, do you think that that's just me hoping that tech doesn't run away from me so I can buy it or what is it? Well, the first couple, the first month is telling you, like, you must be panicking a little bit because, yeah, the market's really hooked away here a little bit, especially on these big names. But a whole heap of junk, all these cyclicals and, you know, if you held any junk, it's just like, I've got a whole heap of junk in my portfolio and that's looking brilliant at the moment, you know, I feel like a million bucks. But, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get hurt here somewhere along the line. Like I see um, even Intel is doing not too bad, you know, like it's lost all the Apple sales and... You know, they're trying to restructure. You know, you're supposed to be holding that for three or four years before you're getting anything back. And, you know, it's holding pretty strong. Um, did I did I see Carvana's up like 300% oh. or something like that? <laughs> uh, Rob yeah. Fennell will be very happy, I think, because he's, he's one of the guys that invested in that and one of these value guys that got sucked right. into this thing. And it's just been a money pit. And Has um, he been, is he above, is he above, Water or oh or no, did no. He get in? I think he's negative, no, no. like twenty five no. or twenty seven percent for the you know last year. Ooh. So, you know, I thought I was bad at negative eighteen. You know, something you know. <laughs> so, I don't know, but some of these names really got hit hard. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't think they will come back at all. Oh, that's my theory. I just, I just can't see people coming into these things that got no cash flow. I think that game's over. What do you think? Like, do you think? Yeah, I just rotate well, into we, them again we, or. We have talked about this, and that's why I sort of feel like we're not done yet because the market has not imbibed this idea that you can just grow your revenues, have no cash flow, burn money. Um, that worked for about 10 years, yeah. <laughs> and I think we're in a different environment. Um, mm. But there are some people that are still anchored to that environment, and uh, could be wrong, I suppose. Uh, maybe we will go back to easy money. You know, just let's just let's just um, – Concentrate on annualized recurring revenues and not worry about anything else. Uh, yeah, delete maybe, the balance but... sheet. Don't even have to have a look at that again. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's that? Your your bonds are now costing you eight percent a year instead of three. Oh no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't okay. matter. Yeah, yeah. I can make twenty percent a year. You know. You know, like yeah. I know. I just can't see that sort of thing coming back. I think people are wising up a little bit to it, but. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Look at Peloton. Peloton. Oh. You think it's a fad, Peloton? I mean, it was great for COVID, but I mean, and you know, to be fair, more people are going to be working from home going forward. But you know, is it? How much can you do with it? You know, do people want to be outside or do they want to be inside? I mean, it's great for winter months, but how much? How much growth is there? Because you you have to think of something like that. COVID just brought all these sales forward. You yep. know of people who probably would never have got them. How many people, I feel like, you know, um, the dirty little secret about the gym industry is that something like 80% of the people who get a gym membership never go or 
quit after a month or something, which is why there's there's a, they have sales teams, right? To get more people in just to replace the ones that drop out. Um, I feel like Peloton's that. I mean, how many people have a Peloton stuck in their garage somewhere that they don't use anymore? Yeah, know. and if they've got less disposable income, stop. less disposable income coming forward, you know, you're going to sign up, was it yeah. $20 or $30 a month for the membership? You've got to buy a subscription as well. Like, it's not like you just buy the thing. And... Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. yeah, I just, maybe there is a lot of rich people in New York City, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but I just don't see it, you know, like, but, yeah, maybe I'm yeah. just old fashioned. <laughs> I just... Yeah, well, I'm definitely that. So that's <laughs> this is the problem here, Tim, because you got one old-fashioned bloke talking to another one. <laughs> yeah. You need someone coming here with uh, with uh, with their rose-coloured glasses on. Yeah, I know. Fresh-faced. Show us how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's move on to your stock of the week, which is pay payx. Is that what it's called? Payx. Paychecks, paychecks? Or, yeah, something like that. Paychecks. Oh, paychecks, yeah. Yeah, so I guess mentioned this one a week ago or something to you, and I was yep. pretty excited about it. Um, I know Terry Smith's got his eye on this one. Um, it's it's in his universe of possible stocks. For some reason, he hasn't purchased it last month. I can't really understand because it is, you know, fairly cheap by Terry's standards. Um, yep. So, like, it's under that 40 price to free cash flow. Um, and well, that's an easy, you know, I'm going to pick this thing up, but he may think this go might have a leg or two down. Um, you can see how these return on vested capitals are just insane. You know, like you, you're in the thirties yeah. now and it's yep. been like that, you know, thirties or forties for years. So you've got that consistency to prove yeah. that they've got something here that really sticks. So I went to, had a quick look into it and um, you can imagine everybody hates this stuff, payroll, human resources, and oh, it's yeah. ex- expensive to do. And if you're a small to medium sized business and you actually sign up for this, it'd be nearly impossible to get out of it um, because, yeah. you know, what are you going to roll over one day after you do your payroll and try and switch every, some, everyone into a new system? It's yeah. going to be... You know, things are going to go wrong. People aren't going to get paid right. You know, imagine super being wrong, people getting paid the wrong amounts. It'd just be a, you know, it'd be just a headache. You wouldn't, it'd have to be something really good for you to switch out of this. Um, so this would this would have to be cheaper than hiring someone. Yes. Yeah, to do it for you. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what they charge for this sort of, for a medium-sized business or? Um, well, I guess sure. it depends on head yeah, count. Yeah, 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 how many heads you got. But as you can see, they've got like 70% gross margins. And then you look at the operating margin, it's a 40%. Yeah. Like, heap of companies, 40%. you look at the gross margins, yeah. they'd love to get the 40%, you know. <laughs> so, obviously, they're just printing hmm. cash here. And you can see, um, you know, the, the shares are holding up pretty good here. Um, the thing that I really liked about it, that made me think, oh, what's really holding people here? And I, what they do is they pool insurance like in the US so they got like a hundred thousand people in a similar um, bracket um, of mm-hmm. health insurance and they can go to a big insurer and say hey give us a good deal on this and they pass that through to everybody on the on the network basically oh, so, right. so that's 
something of being involved in here that you can't do by yourself. If you went to an insurer and say, oh, I've got 10 people, you know, what sort of pricing can yeah. you do for me? They'll tell you, oh, well, look on the website. Not much at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you can imagine. So, what are, so, yeah, insurance, is there anything else they can do well, they're, as well? They're, they're branching out to human resources as well, which is a, a minefield of issues. Um, yeah, but yeah. payroll is where they sort of make most of their money. But you can imagine all these other little sideline things. They could roll into a complete package here as they yeah. keep going along. Um, and, you know, they can integrate with other systems and things like that to make it run a bit better. But, yeah, as you can see, just printing cash. Um, you know, on the next slide I've got, um, you know, that old thing called the balance sheet, you know, that ugly looking <laughs> thing. What are you looking at that for? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is he a total debt 900 mil against total equity of three bill. That's not, yeah, it's pretty low gearing. Yeah. And they're getting free cash flow of one and a half billion. So, oh, so that's, it's negative net debt. Yeah. So yeah. Literally... Negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, and then you're getting a dividend. They're paying out fairly high payout ratio on this. So, yep. um, but yeah, like what's the what's the payout ratio? Is it? I think it's in the seventies or something. So, but you get right. two and a half percent, I think, dividend or something. Yep. Uh, but but this is like a tech company. This is like the growth, you know, one of these high flying type. But it's got mm. huge amounts of free cash flow. One and a half billion dollars worth of free cash flow. Yeah. Well, you, you gonna... so you're producing, yeah, one and a half times the amount of debt you have every year in free cash flow. So. So what are they going to do with this? Like, yeah. like an, invest it and turn it, as long as they don't go buying stuff. I know you talked to me about this before. You know, this is where these people get stupid and they start going, oh. Diversification. Diversification, yeah. They'll go and buy some other company and, you know, think they're freaking smart and get outside their little sphere of knowledge here. Mm. But if they went and said, hey, what we can do is just pay off all that debt, you know, do some share buybacks and keep paying the dividend, like this thing would tick along for another 10 years. You know, imagine putting that in your pocket, one and a half billion dollars every year. Um, have, you, have you been, have they been doing any buybacks or not? Where's no, no, their, it's a bit dilutive. Um, if you go back a share, you, a sheet, you can sort of see the share that's standing, but it's nothing. Like, um, I think they do stock-based compensation. You know, they're in the tech type field. So. Yeah, so they, yeah, okay. So that's a. But yeah, they're sort of buying enough, I think, to basically keep it neutral. So. Yep. As you can see, it's gone from 359 to 360 in a bit. You know, like, 60. Oh, it's barely moved. Yeah. So they're yeah, doing barely moved. stock-based compensation to be my guess here. And they just, you know, buying a little bit back to keep it flat. Yep. yep. But, you know, one and a half billion dollars a year, you could, you know, hook into that even better. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, at some point, you know, it's um, it just comes down to basic maths. I mean, if you get a, Stock goes down a bit. You're probably better off buying some stock back instead of dividends. Um, yeah. You know, with those kinds of returns on equity, Jesus, forty six percent. And the other thing, look at the number of employees here. That was impressive to me. Two thousand seventeen, it's only got fourteen thousand, and they've gone up to sixteen thousand. Sixteen. Yeah. So it's a small, keeping it a fairly tight knit grouping here. You're not really adding huge headcount here. Um. And I think they've got a good book, so they'll hold all these people through a recession as well. Mm. Um, yeah. 
I don't think you're going to knock your payroll off. You know, you're not going to get out of your payroll software. So no, I mean, so I, I, I mean, I don't know, but if let's say that, yeah, what they charge is based on headcount. Um, you know, so they'll if there's a recession and there's layoffs and the unemployment rate goes off, so they go down, but they don't. I mean, their core business is still there. It's just okay. It's less headcount. So it's yep. less, but it's pretty still a pretty solid business. And I mean, because if that scales with like if you know you're a company and you lay off twenty percent of your workforce, now these guys have to charge you twenty percent less because you've got twenty percent less headcount. So it scales down with you, doesn't it? It's not like, um, yeah. If that's the way it works, I have no and idea. It could actually be beneficial. Let's say if you had a HR person, you know, you, let's say a fifty-person business, and you have a HR person, yeah. you go, oh, I want to cut some costs here. You know, you get yeah. rid of the HR person, and then, you know, and you're getting rid of 20% yeah. of your thing. You might go, oh, we'll put everyone on this and, you know, and do payroll and everything through this. It'll probably save me money. So yeah. Um, yeah. as long as it's adding value, obviously it's adding value. People wouldn't be, you know, keep purchasing this thing. Um, but yeah, it's going to just decrease. Yeah. Yeah. It says startup services there. Does that mean new businesses getting them going? filing all their paperwork and that sort yeah. of stuff. Because again, that's something when you go into recession, that stuff will be lower, less businesses starting, but coming out the other side, pick up. Yeah. Not yeah. So you win. So what sort of, you know, the question I'm going to ask you here is, you know, as you can you see, pay for it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like see, it's on a 28 now, you know, PE and like you're thinking, mm, that's a bit rich, you know, <laughs> like, I think I did a valuation on this one. I think they came out around $70 or something. (laughs) $70 to $80, somewhere in there. But um, that's, I think that was pretty conservative. I might have been using a 12% discount rate, which is probably a bit too high. Yeah, but but then as you see, as you hit a recession, your DCF is going to collapse as well. And then it's never going to be cheap enough. But at some point here, you've got to go, okay, I've got to buy this because I'm looking... We're trying to do it, you know, look five years out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think this is gonna come out and guns blazing. Um and I think I think it's gonna be hurt that much as well. I think you know the market will cut it down a little bit, but as you can see, you're not gonna go bankrupt. Yeah. So um yeah. No, no. So what do you you think you think you're it's buying territory here or, or not? Um I'm waiting for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Like this, he just got so much research under his belt here. He must know something that I don't know. I just can't see it. You know, this is what I'm worried about. I can't see what's wrong with it. Like he should mm. be buying this. Um, yeah. so. Maybe he's just waiting to see how mm. the macro plays out uh, yeah. in the next three to six months to see if we do get a recession. How deep is it? How not, how much of a pullback is it going to be? Um, maybe. He's, probably, yeah. he's, he's got plenty of other good names he can put money into so um mm. yeah you might think this one's got a bit of a headwind to it initially um so yeah yeah all right well that's another good stock that you've bought tim to add to the watch list um we might we might leave it there for this week what do you reckon any Sounds last good. words oh. yeah. no all done all right thanks for tuning in everybody and we will be back next week uh at the same time bye for now